Hello, and welcome to Not For Nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and you may have noticed that this show has been on hiatus for a couple of months, and the reason for that being is I have been dealing with some pretty big personal things, namely my father passed away in September. I had flown to Alabama to be with my family um, in the time leading up to my father's death, and I was there for quite some time after my father's death. And I'll be honest, the transition has not been easy uh, at all for getting back to regular life after the passing of a loved one. I I had known and read a lot of things about grief in previous times. You know, you read things that Oprah recommends you to read, so I've done it. I've, I've heard a little bit about this and that about grief, and, and my family knows a little bit about grief. We've been, we've had a lot of loss in our family, um, and grieving has been a part of life for me growing up. Just, it was around, but this time was different. Um, grieving my father has been a whole new experience for me, and, um, just like my mother grieving a spouse has been a whole new experience for her and my sister grieving a father. So it's it's been interesting. Um, and while I was home in Alabama, I took the opportunity to record some episodes with people in my life in Alabama. And, and I always try to take the opportunity to record with people in Alabama when I'm there because that's where a lot of my loved ones and my closest confidants and friends and family live but this time I really didn't get to the recording until after dad's death and it it occurred to me that it would be a good idea to explore that um I'd already done episodes as you know uh about going to therapy and what that means and how that's helped my life and you know experiencing my life through this show and I decided to do the same thing with grief. So the next several episodes are going to be about me navigating grief and talking about it and unpacking it and talking with different people from different perspectives of grief. This particular episode, however, um, was recorded actually on the night before Dad died. We didn't realize that it was going to be so soon that he died. So Sarah, my best friend and friend of the show, came from Huntsville down to my home where we live and just just to see me because I was there for that and we recorded this episode out on the patio by the pool. Um, So that's why I haven't acknowledged in this conversation that dad has passed yet because at the time of this recording he had not passed. But it was an interesting conversation. Um... And it, I had already begun to to come to terms with things with my father. I had had somewhat of a an interesting relationship with my dad, um, as many people who are different, not even just L- in the LGBTQ community, but anybody who's different from their parents in a profound way, they understand what that means. So you're going to hear in this conversation me already begin to unpack some things that have always been true in my life, and they're in that last week of Dad's life, and then in the process of grieving him, I've come to terms with fully, and it's very nice to 
have the journaling that I've done and the the podcasts that I've done to kind of look back and see where we've been. Um, so that is where this conversation starts on the eve of a big, big moment in my life with one of the most important people in my life, Sarah Cooper. So that being said, here is my conversation with Sarah Cooper. Hello, and welcome to an episode of Not For Nothing that is on location. Hi. <laughs> I have with me Sarah Cooper. Again. Again. Bestie. But the fun part about this is we're sitting in the same swing out on the patio. In? I'm in Alabama. Bug Tussle, Alabama. Bug Tussle, Alabama. Can you um, hear the accent coming out? I, it really has gotten thick. Has It's gotten thicker. It's gotten bad. Because I've been here for... Um, I got here Sunday, so uh, six days now yeah. I've been here, uh, and I can tell. Like the other day, or the other day, see, I'm saying the other day, like it's another a thing. Um, but we were on our way home from getting some food just now, and I, what did I say in the car? Oh. I said, uh, I don't know. I said something like swallowing or something. Yeah. <laughs> I just went, oh no. Oh dear. It's here. Um, but the thing about what we're doing right now. Is we're out on the patio outside at night, and by the pool, by the pool, and I am very balmy and sweaty. And also different than any other day. It's eighty. No, that's Burbank. Let's see what ta- what it is. It's eighty two. Oh, 79. 79 degrees. Humidity is. Oh my God. 88% humidity. Yeah, your hair can tell. I It's getting <laughs> frizzy, isn't it? Um, Mine can too. That's why it's tied up. Oh, my gosh. So, but, you know, that's what you do in the Just summer. Just reach out the, and touch that balminess. Oh, I'm afraid it's going to ruin my equipment that we're recording on right now Ooh. because you can't use this stuff underwater. <laughs> so. That's why we're not floating in the pool. Oh, we might as well be. It's so wet and damp out here. But anyway, how's it going? Nope bad <laughs> everything's good covid still covid covid wise well i will say that's been very d- alarming to me the difference between la and here dealing well with it's COVID. not real here it's no. a it's a government conspiracy which is weird because the government is exactly who they elected right it's a government conspiracy but you elected the government so who's conspiring but no, just people don't wear their masks here. People, I mean, like some the people girl wear their masks, in but they Subway who had it under her chin while she made our food. Yeah, and then touched her face. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the I'm used. I'm like immune to it. I've discovered that Target statistically has more people in, that I've seen that wear their masks correctly the entire time. Um, yeah. The Walmart market I frequent is really good, but the regular Walmart, not so much. So you figure out where to go to avoid the gross. Yeah. And, you know, and I was adamantly against traveling anywhere, really. I mean, I went to Big Bear. as mm, By you, yourself. You and the listeners all know. Um, by myself. But I, but I was adamantly against traveling anywhere. <laughs> but um, my I'm here because of family emergencies. We're having um, a health situation my father's health is failing um it's just a fact of life yeah 
And well, and that's not like you're not going to the beach to go party. Right. You're coming home. My mother, she said, I need you to come home. And here I am. So that's why I'm here in Alabama. But, you know, it's the silver linings. I get to sit on this damp patio and <laughs> talk to you, my best friend in all the world. Of course, this is probably my one exclusion to not doing anything during the pandemic. I was like, well, this is a little different. Yeah, and everybody <laughs> here, we've, we've kept a very controlled bubble around dad and everything for and keeping, keeping him comfortable and right. safe. Um, but it's interesting just to yeah be here right now like in the bubble of my mom's house it feels great uh going to town because we live in a rural community so we have to go into town um (laughs) past the goats (laughs) past the goats um about 15 minutes to the interstate and then three exits up (laughs) um it's it, it is a little bit more jarring and alarming to do that but you were telling me on the way here Jaja, she's she's starting to acclimate to a normalcy again. Yeah, Jaja's been working from home since March, mm-hmm. um, and she really, I mean, has doesn't like going to grocery stores. Doesn't like she's very conscientious and very aware. But and of course, being in the Episcopal Church, church. The church was like, nah, we're not doing it. So mm-hmm. they Easter, all that's been canceled. They're not going to church. Yeah, um, our, my, I go to also go to Episcopal Church for people who didn't know. And yeah, we canceled Easter. We canceled everything. So churches, they've started doing outside services on Sunday. If you want to sit outside in the muggy mm-hmm. Alabama heat for some, I could not imagine that. I really couldn't. You bring your lawn chair and sit out. I mean, and mom's just like, not worth it. Not sitting outside for two hours in a mask in a, you know, in a lawn chair. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I'll pray at home. Um, yeah, <laughs> but she because has they're not doing communion. They're not doing right the peace, which is there's no socially yeah. Episcopalian the peace well, of the and people. The after you know the coffee hours and all that, which is a lot of the community that what part of the reason you go to churches for likeness and community. So yeah. Anyway, so she has a group of friends that are doing a um. There's this green area in Huntsville that has like some outdoor you know bars and seating. So they've started getting their lawn chairs and their dinners or not and going and sitting out in lawn chairs in a somewhat circleish shape and that's how they socialize with their friends they're sitting outdoors spread out but they just to see people but mm-hmm. you don't it's hard like we have a lot of people i grew up with who are getting married or having children it's like they want to host baby showers they want to host wedding showers and it's like you do a drive-by version yeah. i mean and it's so you can wave and toss your gift out a window. <laughs> <laughs> but do bring the gifts. That's very important. Well, yes. The gifts are the most important part. Um, but yeah, so it's that's her creative, one of her creative solutions from her friend's um, group is to do so that. So she's in like those like folding canvas chairs. Folding canvas chairs the, with her Diet Coke. The scrunched up chairs yeah. thing. We call, them, we call them soccer chairs because you we're, all did soccer. We did soccer and that's what they brought to watch the games. Um, well. I just love that Jaja can take the trashiest thing that you could ever think of, taking a lawn chair to a bar <laughs> and make it sound so, so fancy, cool. like just fancy and cool, and just like yes, Jaja. I, but I guess because I know Jaja, and yeah. I'm like, I would love to drink wine with Jaja on the front lawn Jaja of a bar. Doesn't drink though, so Jaja has her diet cokes. Oh, uh, does she? Oh yeah. Well, she did have. When they used to go to eat one of their regular restaurants, they would sit at the bars. They usually went on Friday nights. And the bartenders, of course, you go to the same place long enough every Friday night. They learn who you are. Mm -hmm. 
and her bartender would make her she would say that i don't like the taste of alcohol i like the fruity colorful stuff and he would make her whatever she wanted and kind of like a shirley temple thing except it had alcohol in it oh it did have alcohol but it would be like coconut malibu coconut rum or something like very light but she when she went on one of her many isolation vacations (laughs) she was upset that the bar did not was mostly beer because it was at a golf course yeah and her resolution was that she was just going to have to take her bartender with her wherever she went (laughs) which is a perfectly jaja completely reasonable resolution yeah a perfectly (laughs) jaja solution to any problem just take take my bartender with me he wasn't there and he would have made me what i wanted Um, i should have taken him with me when you came to visit with jaja to california last year Mm -hmm. we went to a bar actually i think it was the bar in your hotel yeah we got a free bar we got a drink or something before Um, we went to dinner did your mom drink she drank she She probably did yeah she do, she does not like the taste of alcohol. Oh, she doesn't yeah, like yeah. the taste of beer or wine. So if it is something like a pina colada or a mai tai or a Bahama mm-hmm. Mama, she likes those because she likes the way they taste. But she doesn't want to be drunk. She doesn't like being drunk. Um, yeah. And she just likes the taste of dis- dislikes the taste of alcohol, but likes the fruity, you know, pineapple-y mm-hmm. stuff like that. Well, I I have three friends that only three. That's it. That's all. <laughs> You're one of them. Oh, okay. Um, I Do have, I know the other two? Uh, well, I have three friends who we sort of started doing sort of like what your mom did, sort of trying to control our atmosphere mm-hmm. and try to control the bubble so that we can meld ourselves into each other's bubble mm-hmm. so that we can see each other. Yeah. Um, and But I have one is my friend Michelle, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Actually, two of them have been on the show, Billy and Michelle, mm-hmm. and then there's Patrick as well. And I realized that all three of them bring out a very distinct personality trait in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Billy's, <laughs> Billy's is that he makes me drink more. Ooh. He doesn't make me, he doesn't pressure me to drink more. But you drink more with Billy. <laughs> he creates a safe space for me to be like, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, and he'll, because I'll, I'll invite him over, because we do. We, he works mm-hmm. in a controlled office, um, and he doesn't see people really regularly close by so you know he it's safe for that and everything but you know we try we take every precaution but every time he comes over he's he double fists it with two bottles of wine (laughs) he's like i brought wine and so of course i'm like okay i'll drink because you know i'll drink with him I, i don't really drink that much but i have started drinking more and i am more pleasant when you drink when i drink and i feel more pleasant because i it's not that i get hammered or anything but i do I stress out a lot mm-hmm. and it just helps me to mellow out. And, and, you know, you learn that when you learn that. And some people can't drink because like they can't control their drinking. They can't control it. They can't do that. But then that's Billy's things. Uh, Michelle, friend of the show, uh, she's talked about being a makeup artist and mm-hmm. being Jewish on the show. We remember she is the person who loves a deal. So you have to go shopping with her. We go shopping to like TJ Maxx, to Marshalls, Ross. <laughs> you have Loves to have the patience of a saint to shop at those places. They're so chaotic. She, but she's good. That's the thing. She always finds the deals. She knows how to find them. I always find stuff when I'm with her that is just like quickly I can pick it up. And I'm like, yes. So I do a lot of shopping with her. And I don't need to because I don't need to spend money. But I do. Mm-hmm. I drink. I, I drink with Billy. I shop with, with um, Michelle. And then with Patrick. He creates a space for me where I think it's a very good idea to spend exorbitant amounts of money. 
It probably is. And and it really, it's investments. It's all investments like the sound equipment we're using right now. He was with me when I sort of started this journey. Yeah. He was the one cheering me on for my Breville espresso machine. Of course. He is the one who made me feel like I was perfectly normal because I wanted a $600 vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and none of the purchases that I made while under the consultation of Patrick have I ever regretted. Well, that's good. But I'm just saying, I've got those three people and Billy's might be the most beneficial for this year because well, yeah. 2020 is a year to drink if you do. Yeah. Um, eat your feelings, smoke some pot. If you don't do any kind of imbibing, I hope you got a subscription to Weight Watchers because you're going to eat your feelings. <laughs> All right. So. Man, those gym memberships are going to skyrocket in 2021. I hope so. I really think, I think they will. Well, you know, they'll skyrocket whenever we can get back in them. They're still closed. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Have you, what, is there any been any developments for you that you have started doing during, co- during the quarantine COVID situation? Well, the problem, I mean, I was already a homebody and I've never not, not worked during this. Mm-hmm. I've not, I've been working. So it's kind of, it's weird. My job, does, I'm an essential worker, doesn't close down. Hours sort of ch- didn't really change. Um, we are still curbside. We will be, cr- and we will probably be curbside until there's a vaccine or until the country can get its shit together. Yeah. My boss has basically said, this "Is how we're doing it, and people are just gonna either like it or not." Yeah. And I pr- like that's the one real blessing is where I'm at now. This job is a thousand times better than my last job yeah i was on my previous employer i would not have a job anymore i would have walked away and been like y'all are fucking oh yeah because s- she, y'all are fucking dumb your boss the stories you would tell me she's just like normal situation normal situations she was just a hot mess my previous boss yes <laughs> let's previ- clarify previous boss and my so new I boss just, is a I saint i would not compared. want to imagine what she would be doing with all this she uh, would either she would either be screwing it up so royally, or oh. she would just throw her hands up and be like, "It's normal, it's fine, we're not doing anything." Which um, I I still talk to people that worked at that previous job, and that's pretty. I mean, the denial factor was insane at the beginning. Yeah, and I'm just like, I would have walked away. I'd have foregone my health insurance. I would have walked away and been like, yeah. I cannot. This is a this is a detriment, like a moral standing at this point. I'm not doing it here. Yeah. I'll find something else. Um, So that's been the really, the only big blessing is I am still employed and it's thankfully because I'm at my current job. Um, And the way my boss handles it is in my mind, fantastic. It's very inconvenient to wear a mask nine hours a day. Um, But if I can wear a mask nine hours a day and I can watch children wearing a mask in a grocery store when they're three and four years old and be able to wear it properly, uh, some adults need to get their lives together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, adults... Well, I mean, let's be real. And I'm going to I'm gonna tell a real, tr- real hard truth for everybody. Mm-hmm. White people don't like being told what to do ever. Because they've never had to be told what it's to do. It's never been done. And that's who it is. It's white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a dig... I mean, it's a dig at white people, but it's not. They deserve it. It's I'm not like it's not self-deprecating. I'm a white person. Um, maybe it is self-deprecating. I well, don't know, but it's just it's a it's a truth. I'm not trying to be angrily pronouncing this, but it's true. White people don't like being told what to do. And I had some people, you know, my mom's got a pretty big circle right now mm-hmm. for my dad, um, or bigger circle of people who are helping mm-hmm. take care of him because I mean. He does need a lot of help being taken care of because he is now um, 
bedridden and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to some of the and they're and they're all family. They're aunts and uncles and yeah, distant and cousins yeah. and and a few friends from church. Um, but I was talking to them about that, and I said that that white people don't like being told what to do. And my aunt goes, "That's true. I'm white. I don't like being told what to do." She goes, "But, but that being said, she is one of the ones who's wearing her mask yeah. responsibly. Well, it's but she's like, you're right. I don't like being told what to do, but I do it because I know I need to. And it's the same people. Like what blows my mind, and you see it. I mean, it's it is the big. It is not an inconvenience. Like we." It's even of the generation, like your parents' generation, who I I feel like is maybe separate from my parents. By I don't know where the my line. Mom, my dad's forty eight, born my, in forty eight. My mom was fifty four. My dad's fifty nine. Yeah, and so then your mom's younger than that, sixty. So they're about a half decade yeah. to a decade. So your pe- your dad being a Vietnam veteran, mm-hmm. which was the exemplary epitome of having to be of the draft telling you what to do, right? Um, you know, and. So you have that, and that's the group of people. That's a lot of people who are still fighting it. Who are like, "You're this is America. I have yeah. freedom. I'm not going to tell me what to do." And I'm like, "Um, excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, that's not what's happening here. And it's the lack of human decency that blows my mind because it is not hard to wear masks to go into a grocery store. It is right. not hard to tell you, to tell people that you can't go to the mall right now." You can't get your nails done. You know that is not oppression. <laughs> well, and I get it. I mean, I do get that it's it's a weird. I mean, it's 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 a time that is so different that it is almost too much for mm-hmm. everybody. But the difference is people like you and me and other people like us. Mm-hmm. Um we we acknowledge that this is a time in history that we've never seen before and we're probably never going to see it again. We hope not. If we have good leadership and, you know, in our lifetime, people are going to see this and think, because Donald Trump, I mean, this is not a political thing about Donald Trump, but here's the facts. Donald Trump disbanded the pandemic response, t- pandemic task force mm-hmm. that was set into place. One thing I know for sure, not a dig at Donald Trump, but we need that. I don't, we're going to re, someone somewhere is going to reestablish that and it's going to stay. Because and we're going to learn that this is you, not you something don't, you You've got to have people whose job it is specifically to deal with this. So yeah. that's where we are. You can't just stick your fingers in your ears and cover your eyes and pretend like there's nothing going on right now. Right. And I mean, because I mean, you're right. This is too much, but we still have to do it. Well, and let's look at the comparisons. You're being asked to wear a mask. To go to Walmart. Maybe you'll be there an hour. Yeah. Maybe. Um, you have asked children repeatedly, at least for my generation and probably before, to have active shooter drills in schools. And the years before that, they had to have nuclear bomb threat drills at schools. Right. You have put those, like, people are like, this is fear mongering. This is fear based. I'm like, you, 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 our children for decades have been instilled with fear of being at school and not being safe. Mm-hmm. And now we're asking you to do something to make us safer. And it's a temporary. It's not even having to live in a, nucle- a nuclear radiation wasteland. Well, yet. And at the um, bottom line, for me, a person who thinks wearing masks is important. For me, a person who thinks wearing masks is important versus a person who thinks it's silly and unnecessary and not important. If I'm right... Or if I'm wrong, then no one's hurt. 
But oh, if they're you, wrong. Lots of people are hurt. And I've never seen so many people who went to me- who have medical degrees who basically barely passed ninth grade biology in my life. Yeah. Like the the people who are like oxygen deprivation. I'm eat. I'm inhaling too much of my carbon di- carbon dioxide and all these things. And I'm like, that's not a thing. Okay, Karen, who sells Avon, like, please mm-hmm. give me your sources. This, and I mean, pe- it, I mean, let me just say that that might be a thing, but you're, but that's not a thing that's happening to you based on these masks because it's doctors not- wear these masks sometimes for fifteen hours at brain a time surgery, yeah. to do brain surgery, and they are coherent enough to operate on your brain. So I think you can be coherent and lucid enough to buy bread. Right, and well, what blows my mind is that people have gotten on their Peloton and bikes. And put all masks on with oxygen sensors on their fingers and ridden for several miles to prove that, hey, you're not dying. You may be a little out of shape and a little winded and your face may feel a mm-hmm. little hot, but you're yeah. fine. And I'm just going to say this right now. I don't know of any medical condition that prevents you from wearing a mask because I know people who have asthma who consistently wear masks every summer because they can't take pollen. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, if you have a medical condition that requires you that that you is compromised is exacerbated <laughs> that is exacerbated by wearing a mask perhaps you shouldn't be outside when there's a world pandemic that attacks your breathing system right just saying and i did get into this deep dive and i probably shouldn't have because it just enraged me on on instagram of videos of people losing their shit and showing their asses in stores about this mm-hmm. and then they're like this this you know that uh americans with disabilities act this is discrimination i'm like no it's not they literally Anyone who truly falls under the ADA knows mm-hmm. that what it is is if they if you cannot do something, the stores have to offer you an alternate option, which is curbside grocery delivery, pickup, blah blah mm-hmm. blah. That's what that is for, and you are just showing your ass because you're an entitled white woman, and it's always almost always women. Um, it's almost always women, and they're and always I've, white. I've literally over never seen a single person of color refusing to wear their mask i've never seen i mean i'm not saying it doesn't exist i'm saying i have never seen it personally so yeah and so it just it it enrages me because one you have alter you have options but what you want is you want to put make these stores quote unquote viral to your 300 instagram followers that you're being oppressed and most of the time i'm like these people are not paid enough to not punch you in the face because like valid like let's be real the only time i ever saw a problem and it involved a person of color is what looked like the problem was it was a language barrier and the and it and I'm sorry, if you throw hands at somebody and they don't understand what you're saying to them, you expect to be hit back. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you can't like that was the ultimate problem is it was a language barrier issue. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, and that's even a bigger problem because you're everyone's tensions are so high and you don't know how to stay calm and deescalate a situation. Be like, excuse me, like to approach someone calmly and be like, hey, this is the protocol. Mm-hmm. You need to follow the protocol. <laughs> well, and you and I to end this soapbox that we found ourselves on uh-huh. um we were out to we were we wanted to go into town real quick to just get a bite to eat safely social distanced whatever to spend some time together because we don't see each other per in person at all right. really now especially now that there's COVID 19 so we go into subway and the the chart person eating there or 
and the person <laughs> and the person working there, she had a mask on her chin, but it wasn't pulled up. And I thought, well, we're both wearing our masks over our face, so she's gonna say, "Oh, these are people who respect this. Let me pull it up too." Mm-hmm. She didn't. And then I was just like thinking, why? What's the point of the mask if you're not gonna put it on when you mm-hmm. see people who wear it? You know, whatever. Um, and you and I were both kind of like, what's the, what's the protocol here? Can I ask her to pull her mask up or is that rude? You know, at work, we've, especially when it became a sort of state mandate, KIV called it that, but didn't really have any forms of enforcing it or how to proceed. She just was like, it's strongly recommended you wear a mask. I'm like, you've only had lung cancer, so I don't know why you're so calm about it. Um, but KIV had lung cancer. Yeah. I I, I, I guess Meemaw smoked a pack, huh? Smoked a pack a day. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, and I'm I'm pretty confident she had lung cancer. I could be wrong on that. But I'm pretty sure she did. Mm -hmm. She had something with her lungs. Um, Yeah. She, um, like we discussed, is it inappropriate to ask people to put on masks when we go up to their cars? Is it, you know... How do you approach that? Because it is a delicate situation because people have turned it into a political thing. And yeah. it is not, it is a common decency thing. And I'm just going to say this if you don't wear one when you interact with any kind of customer service worker, whether it is a drive through, curbside service, people coming to you to make your life easier, you're a garbage human. And yeah. I'm sorry, I've lost a lot of respect for a lot of people that I thought were decent people because of that. Right. And that's, and I'll, I'll soften it because I do know a lot of people who don't do that. Or a few people who don't do that. And I'll say, I'll just say, you're wrong. You should be wearing it. Oh, I was like, how dare you? Like, I'll soften your stance of being a garbage person. I agree with you that that is garbage. But, you know, for me, I'm just like, that'd make a lot of people, I'd have to call a lot of people in my life right now garbage. (laughs) But I'm like, but you're dead wrong. Well, and I guess my, I will edit that and say there are times and I told mm-hmm. you this because I was on the phone with you when this happened yeah like where you forget like it's not but it's like it's not even people who are like wearing it on their ears like oh fudge I forgot to put it on my face it's like not wearing it at all like yeah we had mom and I had to go to Lowe's to buy a special toilet <laughs> which is a whole nother story and it was and mom was nerd. I mean mom did not want it she's like I'm going in I'm going to this section and then I'm leaving done <laughs> yeah but she once everyone left the aisle and she was trying to talk to my dad on the phone, it's for my grandfather because he's, yeah, you know, the high rise handicap accessible. Whatever. Right. Um, we have him in our, in our, in this house here because of dad. Right. And yeah. so she took it off. Well, the employee came back and the employee wore his half ab- under his nose the entire time. Yeah. And mom started talking to him and I just reached over and put it back over her face. Like yeah. I was like, I'm not even like playing this. You're going right. to, you know, but it was, she forgot, which is different to me. Forgetting, and not and intentionally not doing mm-hmm. it are two different animals. Well, and I remember and in LA, I I get very I like I'm very staunch cuz people come into my day job and I'm like, "Can you pull it over your nose, please?" Mm-hmm. Here, I see people who have it below their nose and I'm like, "You're trying." Well, that's more effort than a lot of them, so yeah. I just kind of give it a pass, so. Well, and like on the <laughs> the other day when we were on the phone and I um they messed up my order in the drive-thru and they asked me to go inside to refund my card and then run for the correct amount. There's a plastic barrier. The employees are all wearing them. I'm wearing them. They speak to me and I literally take it off and go, what? As if that was going to help my hearing at all. Yeah. And I, and I laughed at myself because I'm like, this is the bullshit that pisses me off and I've just done it myself. Yeah. Which again, that's 
trying to do the right thing and screwing up is way in any facet of life is way different than just intentionally being against something because you feel like it makes your life a little bit harder momentarily. <laughs> right. On that note, let's take a break because when we come back, I want to have a little bit of a follow up about my therapy because you were the first person that I talked to about therapy. So yeah, when we come back. All right, we're back. We didn't um, go anywhere. We just sat here. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you reveal um, secrets? I everyone thought when I take a break that I took a journey, and now they know that we just sat here in a this journey fence. to get your cup of coffee. It's true. I do that, but not now. It's too hot out here. It's muggy. Um, but yeah, you were one of the first people I talked to when I began breaching the subject of going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've had my 10th therapy session. Did you get the 11th one free? I got them all free. Oh, that's I work for a very good day job who gives me good mental health, uh, support and they give me good physical health support. I work for a, fa- a fantastic day job. Um, but yeah, I, well, I was getting ready to be what she called graduating mm-hmm. out of ongoing therapy they should really give you a ceremony when you get out of weekly therapy and get to like maintenance therapy i really feel like i should you get cake i (laughs) i will eat a cake like (laughs) i am eating i made a joke um the other day convoluted story made a joke about gaining my covid 15 and people (laughs) thought i was saying i have covid 19 on because it was on social media and i had to backtrack and explain my entire self of like no it's a joke it's a COVID it's like 15. the college freshman 15. right i was making the joke some people got it some people were like i got egg on my face and i'm like that's a phrase that's outdated but fun um <laughs> <laughs> so because <laughs> i had to look it up egg on my face mm-hmm. um but yeah so i am i am graduating now well i was but then my dad's health is failing yeah. and I don't want to be vague to the point of ad nauseum of just like my dad's health is failing. Yada, yada. We're, we're at the end. Right. And we are, he has dementia. He is a Vietnam veteran. He has had colon cancer. He has had a blood clot in his heart and he's had open heart surgery. He has, this is all in, not right here in this rapid succession. Right. Colon cancer was 2009 which kind of opened the floodgates to us knowing that he was diabetic after that. And then in 2016, he had a blood clot in his heart and he had open heart surgery. 2017, he had kidney failure, Uh had to go on dialysis and we got him off that. So he's had a lot of health problems for years. And we always joke that he's got more lives than a cat. Yeah. But this is, you know, he, and I will say he caught Mm COVID-19. Um, and that gate and he got pneumonia from it and he's all and he's always had dementia for the last few years we've known and that kind of exacerbated it and now here we are and thankfully again I work for a great day job mm-hmm. who gave me the opportunity to come and be with my family in this mm-hmm. trying time and that's where I'm at and and you know I like to I want to give people that because so many people are going through that right now right 
the things that were, you know, not just COVID, but things that were exacerbated by COVID because it does affect your brain. It does affect your, your, (coughs) your blood flow in your lungs and everything. So that's where I'm at. So I, I realized over the course of my therapy that I didn't stand up for myself enough and I didn't give myself enough credit and I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't, love myself enough right and i think that's a big problem for everybody but for sure here i am i i've stood up for myself at work at times i've stood up for myself in my own life and i've become because something that i've had trouble with that i'm still working on that's probably my biggest problem is what we call or is what she called um behavioral activation which is you want to do something and you just go do it mm-hmm. that's that's what we should be doing but right. Some people want to do something and then they don't have the wherewithal within themselves to just get up and go do it. Right. They just put it off and they procrastinate it and everything. And that's me. Anything. Cleaning the house. Reading. 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 It was a big one mm-hmm. for me because um, you've been begging me to read something for you for months. And just like I'm begging you to watch, listen to my podcast. I listen to the good episodes. They're the ones with me in it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and that was the thing. You're like, I'll listen to the other ones once you've read my work. And you said that six months ago. I've read one out of the four you sent me. So I'm That's, getting better. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but my therapist, she goes, I think you've got the tools to right. really know what your limits are, know what your triggers are, to know what you need to do. But then this happened and she said, I think maybe we should keep talking well and i'll say that is probably the smartest and being making her aware of what's going on with your dad for one is right smart but also her having that wherewithal because i stopped doing weekly therapy sessions probably um i'm trying to think if i mean i've been with the same therapist i've been with for um <clears throat> eight years this year <laughs> it was eight mm-hmm. years in june so it's hard to remember back but when my grandmother got really bad back in two years ago, she passed away. It'll be two years in November. Um, I think it's three years in November because no, I was in no. New York when that happened. Right. It was now two, that, 2017. It was 2017. I forgot. I remember, being, I remember where so I was when you called me. Yeah. This year has been a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not counting it. But yeah, it's been, it'll be three years. I She wasn't doing well. And one of my friends kept saying, you need to call your therapist. Yeah. You need to call. You don't need to wait. And I was like, and I put it off and I called her and I had never had to do this. Thankfully, Um, I called her office and I said, I need to get in tomorrow. Yeah. I And I almost was to the point of like, I will bring you guys lunch because mm-hmm. she has a very small office. And it's, at the time it was just her and her business co-business owner. Um, yeah. I was like, I will bring you lunch. I will buy you pizzas. I will do whatever it takes. Yeah. And thankfully, I've never had to make one of those calls, so they knew clearly that meant something. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, because it was right around Thanksgiving, and so it was a, you know, it was like, this she's going to pass away, We're gonna, and then there's a holiday, and I'm not going to be able to get in. Yeah. You know, um, and so I think that alone, being aware enough to be like, something major is happening in my life. Mm-hmm. This is not something that needs to be let go of. Well, and I weeks. had that moment because... Dad got COVID and he's over, he, he's negative. He's over it now, but it did, he did get pneumonia from it and it didn't really attack him. Like he didn't, he didn't almost die from the breathing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like so many people in this country have done. Right. They, they managed it well. He never, he never fell down, but 
all this stuff did exacerbate other things right through that because he was in in and out of rehab because we always would send him to rehab to learn to help him to figure walking again Mm -hmm. and stuff so he was in a bunch of facilities over the course of this because of various doctors doing their thing convoluted story he was in the hospital for three months and he didn't see anyone um that he knew because of covid yeah people could not go see him and familiarity is so important to my father Mm -hmm. in his dementia um and i neglected to tell my therapist that my family got covid Mm. and that my and she's like why did you not tell me that and i'm like i don't know I don't, yeah. it did not occur to me to tell my therapist that my dad ha- was yeah. in the hospital for three months. And then finally we started talking about him. Mm-hmm. Like that was, I I closed that off for my therapist right. for a while. And, and I, I, in the first episodes with you and with Ethan that I was started talking about therapy with, I was nervous. I was mm-hmm. nervous that it, I said th- something I'm nervous of is I'm nervous that it won't work and I'm nervous that it will work. Right. And I took to therapy like a fish to water. Right. Like I did well mm-hmm. with that. And I don't mean like I succeeded, give me an A, but it just. <laughs> like that meme online. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. And like, you know how like they say that you have to relax yourself and be open to it to be hypnotized mm-hmm. kind of thing. I, it, it just, I, I hit that. I was standing right where I needed to be with the proper mindset for therapy to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it did. And and thank goodness, because she was like, okay, we need to explore your f- relationship with your father. Right. And, I, and to be honest, when I came out, it was hard. Not bad. Like, I, it's hard to, I mean, I don't want to, like, negate and downplay what I went through because it was nowhere near as physically bad as someone else's. You know, I was not thrown out. He said he would always love me, yada, yada. But he did you not. You weren't sent to conversion th- camp Right, I was not sent like to that. a conversion camp or anything. Um, but it was hard because it changed the way that I could tell that he thought of me mm-hmm. and looked at me. Even though we already had a distance between us. Right. And, um... So I started exploring that and I was at peace with it. I was at peace with not having the ideal relationship with my father, mm-hmm. knowing now that we're at the end. Yeah. Um, but I had a thought because I had this thought um, a few days after I got here. I'd already been helping to take care of him, helping him in the bed, helping him feed him, mm-hmm. feeding him now and everything. And and I won't go into the details of what it what end of life care looks like. Because I just don't want to. I want to, you know, yeah. I don't want to talk about y- that. People can clearly Google it if you can curious. Google it. And it <laughs> it's delicate and it's precious in a way that you could never fathom. Right. Um, but I do. I would. But I, a few days in, I had this thought and I read it to and I, and I was like, I've got to write this down in my journal because my therapist was like, do you journal? And I said, yes, I've journaled since I was 16. And she said, well, continue journaling while you're home. Because a lot's going to come up. Mm-hmm. You're in a place that you will be triggered. You're going to the home where some of the best and worst things that have ever happened to you have happened. Mm-hmm. And because I live, because you've lived in a several, a couple of different houses growing up. This is where Dude, I was yeah. brought home from the hospital. Right. Right here. And um, so she said, just keep journaling. And so when I set up and I had this thought, I immediately started crying. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I've got to write this in my journal because I'll forget this aw- awareness. Mm-hmm. 
bugs on me. Um, you sorry. got fleas? I do. <laughs> um, I'll, I will forget this by the morning. I will never remember. So I sat up in bed at 3 a.m. and wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you care if I share it with you? No. I mean, because I know you, because <laughs> you are the, you're the least person that I should bring on the show to get mushy with. <laughs> But you're the most. Did you listen to the birthday episode? <laughs> but you're the most person that I could share some of the most intimate things I've ever right. said on this podcast. Can't be worse than what you shared with me in the car. So. Oh my God! Well, you the people. I don't know. I would say the per- people of the podcast will never hear that story. But, but we don't know. I don't. I can't say that for sure. But they're not going to hear it in 2020. Okay. Um. <laughs> but you are. You're. You're the therapy person. You're the yeah. person I would have turned to for therapy. So I want to share it. Okay. Because I don't know who it could help. Thank you. I'll be your mic stand since you're too poor to get one. <laughs> oh, it's on its way. So here's what I thought. Because I, like I said, my relationship with my father was complex. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, if I had to pick it out of a lineup, this w- the relationship I got would not have been the one that I picked. Right. But also it was good. Mm-hmm. At, as well and that's hard you know because right. like, it was terrible but it was good and it was like it wasn't yeah. you know whatever and it just do you need a flashlight maybe would you um oh and it God. just kind of since when am i like popular why do i keep having messages <laughs> always but you know it it it's almost it was almost like divine intervention to have the have the words to articulate it so i just want to say this real quick so this is what i wrote dad is bedridden Throughout my life, my father and I haven't seen eye to eye on some very important things. He hasn't always been incredibly kind to me, though I've never doubted his love. But now I get to create the bond that I want at the end, one of which I am gentle and caring and tender with him. I get to hold his hand and kiss his face and look deep into his eyes. I get to whisper lo- I love you into his ear and feel his body relax with the peace that brings him. No matter what trepidations or anxieties we might have caused one another prior to this time and space, I'm free to give him unconditional love and to be exactly what he needs and wants me to be without compromising who I am in any way. In the end, Dad and I are sharing a bond and seeing eye to eye because I said so on my terms and on his timeline. Hmm. No, that's really good. And it just occurred to me that, like, I, I really am. I'm, I'm whole, like, I'll grab his hand, and as weak as he's becoming, mm-hmm. his vi- his grip is like a vice. Y- yeah. And I'm so like, oh, say. my gosh, he's really gripping my hand, and he'll pull it to his chest. Aww. And this morning, he woke up, and he said, well, hey, son. And, it, and that was just, right. it was very jarring and very tender to me and mm-hmm. you know and I stroke his hair and and we've never been this intimate mm-hmm. my father and I never and I stroke his hair and I kiss his face yeah and I and when and when I'm doing the things that need to be done to mm-hmm. take care of him you know it sometimes takes a team to yeah. get it done well, and I was witness to that by yeah listening. you were here you were here just an, uh, earlier when it, we were doing it and I'm usually the one at his head. Mm-hmm. So when we turn him this way or that way, it's my eyes he's mm-hmm. looking deep into. Yeah. And I just realized that this moment is very profound. And I, I really pray and hope that he wouldn't mind me sharing this with people. And and I know that the people who listen to this show 
are not the people who he would mind hearing it if he did. Right. But when I, I when I turned him over and he was looking at me and I held his hand, I held his head in my hand. I just I just stroked his hair and I said, "It's okay. I've I've got you." Yeah. And his eyes filled with tears. Aww. And I'm trying not to get emotional. It's like, trying right. really hard because I know you we hate that. Well, we can't hug. It's corona. You hate that. but <laughs> I um, do, but I tolerate it for you. But it just <laughs> made me realize in that moment, like, oh, we're, we're here. Yeah. All you want from your parents is just to feel that moment of no boundaries. Right. No, no, no ultimatums. Right. No caveats for your love. Right. And no matter how it took me, no matter what path I had to take to get here, Mm -hmm. I'm there now. Yeah. And that's the bond that I'm, that I'm, I have with my father at the end. And, and my therapist, she goes, well, do you think that if he did have the words to our, you know, if he did have the ability to Mm -hmm. give you the words, would you still be this forgiving of him? And I said, I don't know. But I said, but that's not where I'm at. Right. I said, my father was never a man of articulate poetic words right it just wasn't that wasn't his love language and i <laughs> said i feel strongly that everything had to be stripped down to this moment right and i said and it's like if you had a, a, a fight with a friend i said you and your friend comes to you and they deeply and profoundly f- apologize and they want to make amends mm-hmm. and they want you to forgive them that's the moment you hang on to right. going forward. You don't hang on to the past you if you're going to forgive them. No. And that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and there might be people out there who've gone through what I've gone through with the LGBT stuff and all that that just don't agree with me. Right. Like, no, you didn't yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But that's where I'm at. I'm yeah. at a place where no matter how I got here, this is where it ends yeah. in that way. This is This is the bond that I will have with him. For the rest of my life. Yeah. Because of this moment. And that's super profound to me. Right. Of course. So. Yeah. That's all. And now <laughs> we're looking at each other like. Okay. Uh, anticipation. This is, this is so different than it <laughs> virtually. I <laughs> know. Uh, because virtually we don't look at each other. It's like a phone call. Yeah. And now we're just staring into each other's eyes by the pool. Yeah. So romantic. Um, but um, it's. It's strange because palliative care and hospice care is so, like, it's like going back to ha- taking care of a newborn, but they're 200 pounds and seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is that, you know, you have to have that just calm energy. You have to have that, po- you know, you don't want to be stressed mm-hmm. out because you don't want to stress somebody who's sickly out or dying. You mm-hmm. know, that just, that's not going to make anything better. So you have to have kind of just let go of all the other crap like yeah um like when my grandmother died my mom you know we had to the hardest part was that she we we had to call in hospice and we we requested a hospital bed because she had a bed but it didn't have rails on it yeah and there was this i mean even though she wasn't moving around a lot and we had built like a pillow wall on the edge of the bed that we were still like you know getting up down Mm -hmm. that's not okay and we the p- they delivered it, but you could not. The man who delivers the equipment could not move the person. You in your household yeah. had to move them. Well, we had a man. Um, we had a man bring a piece of equipment um, yesterday, and I asked him. I said, "Are you? And you're going to help us get 
this mm-hmm. situation. He goes, no, I can't touch the pacer. patient. Yeah. It's a liability thing. So yeah, so he he's like, I can show you how to work it, right? But I can't show you how. We I asked, can't do it for you. Or we you had to ask. Well, what do we do? Because it was myself, my mom, and her sister, and my ninety-two-year-old grand. Well, he was yeah. like ninety, eighty-nine at the time. And I had to, and I was the chosen one to pick up my grandmother, put her in the wheelchair, and have to put her in the bed. Yeah. And it was very, I mean. Well, and I will say with our with the the bed that we mm-hmm. have here, rolling it out and getting around uh-huh. to to ha- have the mm-hmm. balance distributed. Yeah. Inner, you know, the distributed manpower. Yeah. Is helpful that you couldn't have with just a regular bed. No. So there's stuff that you got to do. There's some, I mean, and it's very, I mean, it is probably the kindest thing and most loving thing you can do for somebody is take care of them once they get to that state. Yeah. Um, And it's very, it is, it kind of changes things a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have, I've stayed with my father in the hospital when he was having his open heart surgery and when he had his kidney stuff and everything. Mm -hmm. And it, it is different. It's yeah. very different it, to because I w- it, it it was exhausting to me to stay up all night because he has um he he's very active in his sleep when he's in the hospital yeah. and he would try to pull all the cords out and everything he had so the sundowning stuff he has sundowners and at um at night I had to stand over him all night mm-hmm. to h- keep his hands from pulling his stuff out and that was just so exhausting to mm-hmm. me. Um, and not in a resentful way, but I was, I mean, I was literally (laughs) bone tired the next day and this, I do not exhaust myself. It does. It's not exhausting. It's all, I love doing it. I really do love doing this for him. And, and that's not, and I can say that 100% without any, any, any (laughs) qualifications or stipulations. Yeah. Any (laughs) stipulations or any kind of catch in my throat for the past. Yeah. And I love that. One of the most in my phases of finding different celebrities that I obsess over for different periods of time one of them was Helena Bonham Carter and I remember reading and I read it at the perfect time in my life I think she said the final thing your parent teaches you how to do is die and it's really morbid but at the same time it's not because it also is that lesson of how do you take care of somebody you know Mm -hmm. that's your your final act is to show this you know that's so profound and that's true because a lot of family, fr- well, not I, I, again, I, I hesitate to say this because of COVID, but there's more people around. Our bubble is safely getting larger. Mm-hmm. And there's people who have been their best, fr- my mom and dad's best friends for their entire lives mm-hmm. coming over and stuff. So there, and there's family here. Yeah. And we're, we're sitting in the living room where his bed is and we're all having conversations. And the other day, one, I can't remember who said it, but one of the people said, I think it was probably my aunt, because she's always saying goofy things. You, you, <laughs> you talked to her the, tonight. Well, she thought she, the house was haunted for a minute. And so. she did not disappoint. <laughs> um, but we all, she said something, and we all laughed. And I, you know, I, did, I tilted my head back and laughed. And then I looked over at Dad, and he was grinning. Yeah. And I thought, this is what he would have wanted. Yeah. This is what he wants to have his people around mm-hmm. to feel this love and laughter. Yeah. Because he did. He had a good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, his whole life, he he had a temper. He still dog cussed you. He did. He. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't say what he said because mom will be like, "Why did you tell people your dad said that?" And so. But his personality. But the point is, his personality was still. I will still say flashing in the pan. A minute ago, he's. <laughs> I'll say this. And mom can, you know, mom can know that it's fine. Um, 
we I was sitting next to him and he just he kind of opened his eyes and he said, "I'm gonna kick his bald ass." <laughs> so I said, "Okay, we're mad at somebody. Cool, He's dreaming cool, about cool. somebody. Cool. Hopefully." Um, <laughs> and then um, another thing that he said that made me laugh, and I really, really, really wish I could get in a time machine somehow and go back to whatever time he's revisiting. Right. Because he said, Jarl, Jarl, look at that woman and just died laughing. And I was like, what is, who is he looking at? Yeah. What is she doing? What is he revisiting? Yeah. What is she doing? I'm, I'm dying to know who this Where woman is. Where were you and who is she? Because he's mentioned that woman as if she's a stranger. Yeah. Or something. But Again, he's, he's like, that woman is crazy. He's got to be somewhere yeah, so, I mean, and, and I don't know, and I asked my aunt, I said, what do you think? Do you think that's peaceful? Like, at a, at a moment like this, mm-hmm. when you're near the end, to just kind of replay your life like old home movies. I mean, to me... I think that would be peaceful. Revisiting memories would be much better than not. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you had, like, obviously, and my mom stressed this because one of her regrets as far as when my aunt died and she died of breast cancer in 2014 14 yeah, yeah. um she the ba- the word the part that was disappointing is we had not called hospice in so she died in a hospital and not at yeah. home and she wanted to die at home i mean they had spoken she i mean she was diagnosed at 29 years old with breast cancer mm-hmm. and it came back and she was mid 50s when she died right it came back it came when back. i was 17 um Maybe it wasn't 29. Maybe she was 30, 30. Anyway. Um, and so, yeah, she ca- came back when I was 17 years later. And she was fine until the last three years-ish, I would say. Mm-hmm. Maybe longer. But she had wanted to. That was her goal. And anyone's goal should be to die at home if you have yeah. the choice. Because hospitals are so clinical <laughs> by comparison. But Well, and... Like you said, I, I, you know, again, I don't want to go into too much detail and give too much personal information mm-hmm. away about dad, but there, it takes a team to roll the patient this way sometimes or to lift a leg or, you know, mm-hmm. and the tenderness and love and care that we do it with right. is not, it, it, we do it with a lifetime of history and right. a lifetime of love. And that's just not, that's not what you're taught as a nurse or a doctor because you need to be prepared to do what it's what is necessary to save their life right you don't need to be prepared to do what is necessary to make them feel your love yeah and that's what what dying at home does for someone and i it's just rare that you get to go into a situation clear-eyed about this is a precious precious moment Mm -hmm. in my life and I'm in therapy for it, and I'm journaling for it, and I'm not working right now. Right. I, I'm off You're work for at least a month right now, and you know, thank God for my wonderful day job. Right. Um. So I get the opportunity to just go into this situation knowing this is one of the most precious and profound things I'll ever do in my entire life. Right. And I couldn't ask for more than that. Right. I mean, it's very, it is really a gift that you are able to be home because so many people, and again, it's kind of a strange situation because of the pandemic and all that. There is a lot of isolation because of that. People are not allowed to go to hospitals. So if your relative goes to a hospital Mm -hmm. and they may not come out, but you don't get to have that moment. Well, 
and we we were presented with several options mm-hmm. and some of them were like a 50% 50% possibility if we can get this this and this to happen we can go to this facility or this this and this you know yeah. and some of them were a, just a surefire bet of probability but in the end of the day my mother she said I know what I want to do. And she brought him home. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm at peace in my heart because of that. He's around his family. Whatever happens, he's around his family. And my sister and I were both at peace with that, too. And and coming here, I know that was the 100% right choice. And there was no other choice. Right. And, and, you know, and I love that, you know, I'm a spiritual person, Mm -hmm. so... I think God gives you a clarity sometimes. Right. Or the powers that be. If, you know, mm-hmm. there is a the spirituality w- at work within all of us that gives you that clarity sometimes mm-hmm. that you have the knowingness that you had no reason to know. Right. Other well, than some other in- intervention. Yeah. And that's what happened sh- with this. That's why they always say follow your instinct and your gut. Right. And I think that is me personally. And this is just, you know, <laughs> uh, my mom's friend. Kay, who's been wonderful helping, she'll she'll say something. She'll go, Kay's opinion, Kay's opinion. Yeah. And that's just Kyle's opinion. Kyle's opinion. That your instinct is your link to that deeper spiritual moment or space. Yeah. For that. So Absolutely. Kyle's opinion. (laughs) But I really appreciate you coming all the way out here because you live in Huntsville and I live in Coleman County. Yeah, and, and it is much farther than I remembered. Because right. <laughs> it gets further every year because of road construction. But I really appreciate you coming out of here course. to sit in the balmy patio by the pool. <laughs> of course. With me to share some of the most mushiest and gushiest things I've ever said Never on this podcast. I thought I was going to have to do it again after my birthday. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get you um, I'm trying to get you conditioned for it. Because there's well, plenty more where it came, where oh that God. came from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have feelings and emotions. They're just very tucked away and very private. <laughs> well, maybe I'll get you to open up on the show one day. Or maybe we'll just continue talking about share. <laughs> and that'll be it. <laughs> maybe. Well, on that note, let's get out of this balmy heat. We'll get a Dr. Pepper. A Dr. Pepper. And I'm going to have another glass. Of glass. A glass of coffee. I'm going to have another cup of coffee. Um, Toodaloo. <laughs> so if you want to follow me on Instagram, follow me at Kyle L. Henderson. If you want to follow me on Twitter, follow me at Kyle L. Henderson. If you want to follow Sarah, you'll follow her at Sadie May 57 on Instagram or Twitter. You can follow her at Sarah Cat Cooper. Did I get all those right? I'm surprised, but you did. I did. And then if you want to join the conversation, jump on over to the Facebook page uh, at Not For Nothing. And also... Please rate and subscribe to this show on your favorite podcast app. Give them a selection of podcast apps because I you had to tell me my what okay. To use. So we are on iTunes and iHeartRadio and Luminary and Stitcher. And once I get out of this fight with Spotify, I'll be there too. <laughs> and on that note, I'll see you all next time. <laughs>